yeah, so we'll put your stand. We'll hide it. Oh, what about my gut? I was on the keyboard earlier. You should have heard me. <laughs> oh, there it goes. <laughs> okay, you better be on the words up there, young lady. Good morning. You know, one of the favorite things about doing call to worship is uh, seeing who's here. Being able to look out and see everybody and uh, because the fellowship time, you know, is just not the same. And uh, I wish you guys could come up and to see everybody. It's because it's, it's good to see you guys. Good to be back with you, you know. Spencer, Beth, good to see you guys here. Beth, I haven't seen you for a while, you know, so people are starting to come back, and uh, that's exciting to us. And uh, I can't wait to that day where everybody's back. But uh, those of you at home, welcome. I wish I could see you, but, man, we're glad you're here. And uh, it's exciting that uh, we get to be online, and it's exciting that, uh, uh, you know, it's just different, and it's good. I mean, we could sit up here and talk about all the really great things that are happening. And why? It's because God's in control. And, uh, you know, 
the church is not dead. The church is more alive, I think, than we've been in a long time because we're doing it differently. And, uh, you know, I mean, who would have thought a year ago that we'd be doing live stream wherever somebody wants to watch us, across the country, across the world. And I know my daughter is in Texas watching. So here we are in Texas, you know, ministering to people. So uh, God is doing exciting things here at Christ Fellowship and a lot of other churches. And that's exciting to us. Um, last week, I told you that I was going to uh, share with you uh, why the passage we read for Call to Worship was important to me. This is not my message, but I'm going to share it to you anyhow. But it is, it is something that uh, um, changed my life. And, uh, um, and I promised God when I got this passage that whenever somebody brought it to my attention, I would share the story. And Jason brought it to my attention last week, and so it's a reminder that I made a promise, and I'm going to share it. And, and many of you know my story. Uh, but uh, I want to share it anyhow again. Uh, back in June of 2013, uh, after about eight to ten years of losing my hearing, I had lost 70 percent of my hearing in both ears, and I had double I had ear, hearing aids in both ears, and it was to the point where I couldn't do ministry anymore. Uh, I was children's pastor here, and I just couldn't perform. I had to rely on my wife and Pam Dimmer to tell me what the kids were saying because I couldn't hear them. Uh, being chairman or on the elder board, I couldn't hear the guys talk, and so it was hard to dialogue. And I remember saying what I heard, and it backfired me because that's not what they said. And so it was getting to a point I had to change all my ministries. Uh, work was really affected. I couldn't answer phone calls, and I was going from the number one position on down because I was no longer of value because I couldn't hear, and, uh, and that bothered me. And so I remember taking the time and, and uh, in June of uh, 2013, decided to take th- a three-day weekend and just go be with God by myself. And, uh, and uh, it, that, that was that weekend that God changed my life. And, uh, and I'm not going to tell you the whole story because I want to get to my message, but God gave me a miracle on Tuesday at about 3 a.m. And I woke up the next morning and I had full hearing. I put my, my hearing aids around my nightstand and I never touched them from that day on. In fact, the only time I touched them is I put them in an envelope and I gave them to a friend that needed them and he's still wearing them to this day. And so God blessed me with a miracle. I don't know why, but that three-day weekend that I took and I, I went to God, I wasn't praying for my hearing to be restored. I was praying for a way out. And it's, it might seem strange, but I, because I, I didn't think, I guess I don't know if my faith wasn't strong enough or what, but I was thinking, okay, God, where do you want me to go with this bad hearing? What can I do? So show me a path where you want me to go. And, uh, and instead, you know, in fact, the Tuesday, the Tuesday afternoon before I got my hearing back, Pastor Dave called me up, and nobody knew I was uh, fasting and, and doing this. Um, but Pastor Dave said, hey, you want to meet for coffee? And I said, sure. Pastor Dave and I have this friendship, by the way, that uh, um, is like no other. And uh, we're completely different but we have so much in common, and we can talk for hours and hours, and uh, it's really exciting about that. So we were sitting at the woods, and he was having coffee, and I remember he put his hand on my arm and said, can I pray for you? And he prayed right there at the woods and said, dear, I remember the prayer, dear God, would you please continue to bless Ken Olsom and his ministry? Would you continue to bless his families? And Father, I pray today that you will restore his hearing 100%, right there at the woods. And again, Dave didn't know anything about this. And I think it was that time that all of a sudden I started thinking, Maybe I'm praying for the wrong thing. And there was that, 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 that night where I, God restored my hearing. So I journaled it for two weeks before we really told anybody. 
And so I have a full journal of it, and it was a miraculous thing how God worked and gave me this miracle. It wasn't just one, it was numerous things, because there's so many people involved that I didn't even know was involved. And, uh, and you know, if you want to have a cup of coffee, I'd love to share it with you. But I got it all written down. I wrote it down, by the way, so I wouldn't have to try and share it, because I don't want the story to change. Okay, because sometimes, you know, stories after year after year gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, I'm a salesman. It's, good. it's easy to do as a salesman. So I wrote it down, and so that way I could share it 100% the way it was, and it was exciting to me. But, and uh, so anyhow, uh, God gave me my hearing. And so it was two weeks on a Friday night, and I hadn't told anybody other than my wife. Um, and we just journaled it down. And uh, my wife made a big dinner for me, a kind of celebration. We were having steak and mushrooms and baked potato. And I remember she was ba- cooking up in Sumas. And uh, the phone rang, and it was, uh, uh, she answered the phone, and, and she says, Ken, it's, uh, it's Dave, the Honda salesman. Dave, the Honda salesman, okay. I said, okay, I'll take it. So I go, hello, this is Ken. And being a salesman, if you want to get off the phone real quick, he says, what can I do for you? Okay, you get the conversation rolling, you know. And he said, hey, so Ken, this is kind of weird, but I've been doing my devotions the last couple of days, and for some reason, you are on my mind. And he said, uh, you know, I, I take that very seriously. He's a God-centered man. And he says, in my devotions, it was in Isaiah chapter 43, and I feel like I need to give you this passage. I have no idea why, but I'm calling you on a weird night like this and saying this. I think, I'm all for it. Give me the passage. He said, would you mind reading it out loud and tell me if it means anything to you? So he gave me this, uh, this passage, uh, Isaiah 43, which we read last week. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. And I thought, Dave, and I, so I shared my story with him. I said, Dave, yes, I know exactly what this is about, and I thank you so much for the passage. And I shared a few things, and we talked back, and he goes, well, I'm not done. There's still one more passage I need to give you. It was a two-part passage. He says, go over one more, one more chapter, verses 18, uh, four, or five chap- four or five verses, and he says, can you read this one to me? And I'm not making this up, by the way, okay? I'm not making this up. This is what it said, verse 18. Hear you, deaf. Hear you, deaf. I'm going, Really? Does that wake you up or what? Hear you deaf and look, you blind, that you may see. Who is blind but my servant, or deaf as my messenger whom I send? Who is blind as my dedicated one, or blind as the servant of the Lord? The Lord was pleased for his righteousness' sake to magnify his law and make it glorious. Restore. Who among you will give ear to this, will attend and listen for the time to come? I said, oh man. And I shared with him how I think I was looking for a way to escape. Maybe it's time to retire, you know? And, uh, and in fact, last Friday when I was reading this, when Jason sent me, I told Tam, I says, you know, Tam, I think this is the last time I'm going to preach. I'm just too busy. And then I opened this up, and it reminded me all together, it's not me. I mean, I promised God if, God, if God wants me to teach, I'll teach. If he wants me to preach, I'll preach. If he wants me to share, I'll share. So I told Tam, and she kind of laughed. Isn't that the way God works? He reminds you of your promises. So I believe I was blind. I believe I was deaf. I believe that I was looking for a way out. But it says here, who will attend and listen for the time to come? We are in times right now that are weird. I don't know about you guys, but you know, I don't want to say I'm scared, but I'm concerned. And uh, I look at 2020, and I look at elections coming up, and I look at things that are happening, 
as a family of my, my kids and my, my grandkids and all that, this is, this is troubling time. But boy, what a time to be in the Word of God. Because we know that the Word of God is where all the answers are. And you know, many times, in fact, I was going to bring it up here because I'm going to use it all during my message. Many times, we sit at home and we get our information from Facebook. I mean, I know that's, I shouldn't bring that up because I'm condemning it, by the way. And I kind of wonder, and this is a challenge to Ken also, but I'm going to share it with you. Maybe you want to take the same challenge. Is if we spent as much time in, on Facebook, God's Word, as we do on Facebook, where would we be? Because I guarantee our answers are in the Word of God. It's not on Facebook. Our answers aren't in the government because, I mean, look what they're doing. Our answers aren't in our, in our governor. Okay, our answers are in the Word of God. And so the passage I'm going to read to you today and we're going to study is 1 John 2. And you can turn there. I don't have PowerPoint. I'm sorry. I just couldn't get it this week. And so 1 John 2, 15 through 17 is going to be the three verses that we're going to be studying. Unlike Dave, I have a hard time studying on one verse. So we're actually going to be going through the whole chapter. But uh, bear with me on that. We'll stay right with 1 John 2, 15 through 17. So if you turn there, would you stand out in respect to God's word? And we'll go ahead and read this together, and then we'll get started. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that uh, it is alive and well. I thank you that it is our answer book. And I thank you for Jesus Christ who's in our hearts today. And I pray that this message will will make sense and it'll be your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So I'm 56 years old. I have enjoyed being a husband, a father, a grandpa, a businessman, an employee. I've been a Christian since a young age, and I have followed the Bible, and I have fallen short many, many times. The evil one works hard to take me down, but it brings me right back to Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus is my strength, he's my shield, and he's my rock. But as I look at 2020, and I look at all that is happening, I have to admit, I, I don't know what to do as a father, as a husband, other than go to the Word of God and get the answers. I don't, I don't have cable. I don't watch the news very often. I listen to people talk about it, you know, because I don't believe it. I just don't. I mean, you can't, you, if it's not the truth, the only truth I can see right now is the Word of God. And there's so much lies being done out there, it's just a scary time. I'm a type of guy that likes to fix his things. If something's broken, I'll do everything I can to fix it or me make it better. I, I don't see how I can fix this. One guy, I think the United States of America is broken. Now, I'm not going into politics. It's beyond my understanding what is going on, and, but I do know and I trust in God. It is all his plan, and Ken Olson gets to be a part of it, and so does Christ's fellowship. We get to see this. Because we know that the world is tick-tocking down. 
It's on a, it's on a stopwatch. And the, whatever that number is at the end of the stopwatch, when it's over, it's over. And so this world is going away, and we're part of it. So here tomorrow, we're 24 hours closer. Every day, we're closer to that end of the world. People in the United States are fighting. They're arguing. Hated, hatred is everywhere. Families are split. They're not talking. People are dying. Businesses are being burned. Others are being forced to close down, and they're told all sorts of things they have to do. Some of them are impossible. Churches are given rules that we can't perform. Just can't. By, by the looks of it, what they want us churches to do, the evil one wants us to close down. He wants us to close the doors and lock it up. Schools are not able to meet. They're not able to educate our kids. Parents are just struggling. What are we going to do? You know, what are we going to do? Kids are given laptops, and, you know, there's a whole new way of doing things. And I don't see where the answers are other than the Word of God. And I believe that the Word of God will answer the, the problems that we have in this church today and the schools and everything else. The, the answers are in the Word of God. Well, what if the government tells us to do something wrong? What if, when we put this all together as Christians, we look at this and say, Guys, we can't do this. Look what they're teaching our children. Look what, look what they want us to do. Look what they're forcing the pastors to do. Look at all these things, because it keeps adding up. What do you do? Well, we just read in 1 John, but what is, why is it wrong to love the world? And I believe everything I just talked about is the world. And it applies right here today. So 1 John 2, chapter 15, we're going to keep reading these things over and go over. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. John offers two good reasons why it is wrong to love the world. Reason number one, let's look at 16. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, is not from the Father. It is from the world. So the first one we look at, the lust of the flesh. This refers to morally negative human cravings. Often, the first thing we think about is sexual lust, which is a big one, but it's not only limited to that one. There I mentioned gluttony, gossip, physical violence. How about anything called an addiction? Drugs, alcohol, might I say TV, might I say Facebook, if it rules your life. The lust of the flesh is not from the Father, it is from the world. The second one, the lust of the eyes. This is what makes our world spin. Consumerism, greed, covetousness are all ways of speaking of this lust. Wanting something that is not yours. If we look in 2 Samuel 11 verse 2, it talks about David lusting over Bathsheba, and we know what happened there. That is wanting something that is not yours. The desires for things you don't have. But the lust of the eyes is not from the Father. It is from the world. The third one says, pride of life. As if the lust of the eyes, greed for what you don't, don't have, is not enough. This third practice is taking pride into the things that you do have. That you do have. Anything that has the ability to be used as a temptation when commanded by the evil one. The evil one. I hate him. I hate him, I hate him, I hate him. He tries to rule my life. If there's ever something that 
can take over is it's the evil one. And I work hard at not, and I hate him. Harsh words, I can only say that about the evil one, by the way, okay? Anything that has the ability to be used as a temptation when commanded by the evil one. Desires to get credit or glory, or desires to feel valued or more important than others around you. Desire to have a position or power around you. To puff up your ego, to make you feel better. That's the pride of life. It is important, though, to note that this, that is not a sin to enjoy physical pleasure in things that God allows. Okay, that's the important part. What does God allow? For example, God created food to taste delicious, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying a delicious meal. Okay, we must eat to live, but gluttony is a sin. For example, God also created sex. There is nothing wrong with enjoying intimacy with your spouse, but adultery and fornication is a sin. There's nothing wrong with looking at beautiful things. God's creation itself is breathtaking. Breathtaking. But when you take your eyes off off him, that's when it becomes less breathtaking. Is there anything more beautiful than a rainbow with a story behind it? Is there anything more beautiful than the mountains, the ocean, the stars, God's beautiful animals? But when we lustfully look upon things God has commanded us to avoid, such as pornography, other people's spouses, or even people's possessions, it becomes sin. My son and I have this little business, and we go around and buy possessions. Okay, so I don't know, maybe we're part of the problem, okay? Because uh, we go around, and we buy things from people, and we turn around and make a profit off it, you know? And so we sell things to people, and you, you know, you got to wonder sometimes, okay, do they really need that? But, you know, it's, just, it's weird how you go into someone's homes and you see all this stuff, how valuable it was until that person's no longer there. And then it means nothing. You know, we were at one here this, uh, this other week where it was valued at maybe $20,000, all their stuff. When it comes right down to it, it's probably worth $1,000 in a used store. That's how the value of things change. You know, we put such high regards in the stuff we have. The pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. So why should we not love the world? This is why. Why should we not love the world? What is wrong with loving the world? This is why. Because continual love for the world means that the Father is not in us. If our so-called love is self-centered and ingrown, there is no room for the Father. You can't have the world, you can't have the Father at the same time. I have a family member that walked away from us and lived in the world. He cannot have what he says he has if he's living that lifestyle. There's no way. And we see other ones, too, walk away from spouses, walk away from kids, walk away from... You cannot, you cannot walk that lifestyle and have Jesus in your heart because the Holy Spirit convicts us and convicts us and convicts us and convicts us. If our so-called love is self-centered and ingrown, there is no room for the Father. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You're not a believer. You're not a Christian. You're part of the world, which means the evil one has you right where he wants you. Right where he wants you. So what do we do? We repent. It's to the same people, okay? So Christians that have fallen away versus a a non-believer that is looking toward God. It's the same answer. You repent. You get on your knees and cry out to God Almighty and you repent for your sins. 
and you change it. You change where you've been, especially for, for believers. Us guys, us, I mean, we, we, we face these things every day. The sin is in our lives. I mean, Adam and Eve could not handle in a perfect world. Well, we're far from being in a perfect world, guys. Okay, it is everywhere. It is everywhere. We repent, we cry out to God Almighty. We spend time in the Word, a lot of time. If you're considered a baby Christian, you've been coming here for a long time, folks, it's, try, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. It's time to be in the Word. It's time to get your answers, and we should know this book. You know, when I went to college, before I went to college, I, I graduated from Linden High School, I was proud to get my 2.0 diploma, okay? As I was going through high school, I, I, I did everything I could to get a signature from my mom and dad so I go to work because I could make money at work and I could care less about high school. I was proud of my 2.0. Then someone talked to me about going to Corbin. And so I went to Corbin and my focus changed because now I'm going after a career. I was going after a diploma and I was going after something I really wanted to do. And I knew, I knew it was going to benefit my life. Of course, then I met my beautiful wife there and it changed because now we're going to be thinking about having a family and I need to do something with my life. And so all of a sudden, my 2.0 that I was proud of ended up being a, you know, almost a 4.0 student because I was doing things that I wanted to do and I was focusing on it. I was studying it. I was reading it. I was, I was doing what I was supposed to do. Well, I wonder if we took the Bible and think of eternity the same way. Remember, we started off this conversation as tick-tock, tick-tock. What happens if the alarm went off right now and we're done? God's coming to take us home. We should think about that every day. We should think about it every day. Now, I want to say this. We will all face the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All Christians will face those, okay? It, it, there's no way around it. That is our sinful nature. However, however, the Bible tells us, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man, God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. That's the best news so far, folks. If we don't know the word of God, you won't know this passage. And so how will you handle life? No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may not be able to endure it. I have been tempted in my life many times, and that escape is just like that. Because I, I, I was hoping for it, I was looking for it. I can think back on, oh man, I'm glad that escape was there, because I wonder where that would have led me. I wonder where that would have led me. No matter how tempted you may be in this situation, God promises us that no matter how hard the temptation is, he will also provide an escape route. We can always choose obedience over sin. It's in us because we have the Holy Spirit in us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. So when we choose sin, we just messed up. Because you have the way out. It says right here, we have the way out. So how should we respond to these temptations? When Satan brings them to us, when we're tempted, how do you respond to them? We go back to the Bible, and the Bible tells us plainly how to, how to, how to handle this. He says, you handle it the same way Jesus handled it. You remember the story. When Jesus was tempted, when, when Jesus was tempted by Satan, Jesus took the word of God and threw it at his face 
and rebuked him. It told him, get out of here. Have you ever tried that? I have. I can remember in, in, in a certain place in our lives with the kids and everything, Satan was just, he was just hitting us hard. And one of these things hard enough where I wouldn't share the stories with you just because it hurts me even to think about it. But I can remember all of my kids and my wife and I going from our house with the Bible, room for room, saying, if you're here, get out of here. This is God's house. This is not your house, you know. And we took the word of God. We rebuked him and said, get out of our home. And God tells us we can do that because we have Jesus Christ. We should all have God's word in our hearts and minds so that we can rebuke sin and evil and resist it. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active. You hear that? For the word of God is living and active. So it's alive and well right now. Think about how long ago it was written. It is living and it's active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirits, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and, and attentions of the heart. It's living and active. These are God's words. His word is all-powerful and will handle every situation we need to know what it says and to listen and obey. That's reason number one. There's one more. Now, reason number two, we should not love the world, okay? That was reason number one. Reason number two, the world in rebellion and all the things we desire, lust after, and are proud of is temporary. It's passing. It is on its way out. We've heard this before. The darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. 1 John 2.8 says, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. It makes no sense to spend our time lusting over a world that is going to end because we have our eyes set on one thing. We should have our eyes set on one thing, and that's eternity. That's eternity. My last verse I'm going to share, I'm going to find it here because I think it's a good point now. Nope, you have to wait. Okay, 1 John 2, 8. At the same time as the new commandment that I am writing you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining, folks, keep our eyes centered on God, not on a world that's going to end. Okay? God will never end. Eternity is forever. We should be doing things that last eternally. I should mention that I'm not just referring to witnessing. Witnessing is a huge thing, and it should be naturally part of our lives to share what we know. It's going to be hard to share if we don't know the Word of God. This is another reason why we need to know the Word of God, because witnessing is important. But God also tells us to do the will of God forever, to do the will of God forever. Okay? In verse 17, it says, And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So how do we know we're saved? How do we know the Holy Spirit's in us? Well, 1 John, we just read three verses. If we go to verse number 1, 2, and 3. So let's, let's look at verse 1, 2, and 3 of 1 John 2. It says this. My little children. I love it when he calls me children, by the way. Okay. I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. 
But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. So how do we know? We keep his commandments. We know the word of God. We obey the word of God. Just keep going. Verse 4 to Four through six. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, hard words, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. The Bible tells us that if someone claims, I know him well, but doesn't keep his commandments, he is a liar. His life does not match his words. For the one who keeps God's word is the person in whom we see God's mature love. This is the only way to be sure we're in God. How do we get to know God and be mature? It's by knowing the word of God. Keep going. Seven through eight. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Christ Fellowship, this is nothing new to us. Pastor Dave teaches us the word of God better than anybody I know. This is the oldest commandment in the book, and you've known it for a long time. It's inside us. The Bible says 9 through 11. Let's look at that. Verses 9 through 11. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. This is where we're at with the world today. People are blinded. There's no doubt about it that the unsaved doesn't have common sense because they're blinded. And the Bible says that too, by the way. Friends, I have friends I had to delete from Facebook because of what they're saying, what they're doing, what they believe in. I can't believe some of the things that people are thinking, doing right now. It's just, it's getting people crazy. It's like it's a full moon out all the time. Anyone who claims to live in God's light and hates their brothers or sister is still in dark. It's the person who loves his brother and sister who dwells in God's light and doesn't block the light from others. Verses 12 through 13, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. Then he does it, reminds us again in verse 14. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. We know the Father from personal experience. How do we know this? Because God's word is so steady in us when we read the word of God in the scriptures. Your fellowship with God enables you to gain a victory over the evil one. So we just read up through verse 14, and the, three, the 15 through 17 is actually what the passage, my message is about. Do not love the world. So let's read 15, 16, and 17 one more time. 
Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes, and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Folks, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Don't want your own way. Don't want everything for yourself. Don't want to appear important because it doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with the Father. It does not mean we don't work hard. It doesn't mean we don't try to strive. It don't mean we don't try to get to the best position at work. It does not mean that, by the way, folks. We're talking about the world's life here. The world and all it's wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. Jason, come up and lead us in some worship, and I'm going to close with a few more comments. It is important that we know, as Jason comes up with his team, that Jesus Christ is awesome. The path he has given us is the right path. Eternity is going to be a beautiful place. I can't wait to get there. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not working hard enough for it. I don't deserve it. When I studied this lesson, I'm thinking, oh, man, I don't even know if I have the right to preach this message, you know? Because we have a lot to do. And God has, I, I wrote a letter here a couple weeks ago to, to the congregation, and I put in there that Christ's fellowship is held to higher standards. We are, folks. We are held to a higher standard. We have a pastor that expects that. And that's what I love so much about Pastor Dave. But we have a God that expects it. Okay, and he has, the end result is from God. Eternity is from him. That is our gift. What a beautiful place to be in our lives, knowing that eternity is around the corner for us. Go ahead, Jason, lead us in worship. Let's go ahead and stand. My conclusion, do not love the world. Do everything for the Father. 1 John 2.28 says this, little children, Christ's fellowship, abide in him so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. One more time. Abide in him so that when he appears, which is coming soon, folks, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Know the word. Study it. Be a part of it. Memorize it. Share it. The answers to our problem in 2020 are in this book. I promise you. I challenge you. I challenge you. If you are being tempted, remember 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says... He will provide the way of escape. How do we know this? Hebrew 4, 12 says, the word of God is living and active. It is living and active. Please know I'm preaching to myself. I thank you guys for coming. Let's pray and be close. Father God, I love you so much, and I thank you for an opportunity to be able to study for myself and share. Thank you for the gifts and the miracle you have given me and others here at Christ Fellowship. 
Thank you for those that are away from us. I pray they know we love them. For our children, our grandchildren, wherever they're at, some are far, far away, please protect them and hope that we know and let them know we love them. For our church and the elders that are working hard for the exciting things that are coming. For our finances, for good health. But Father, today, that we will be strong in our faith and we will be a mature church for you. So when the day comes and the end of the world is here, that we can stand before you and you'll be proud of us. We love you. We praise you. Thank you, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.